and welcome to the Art of Decluttering podcast. I am Amy Ravel. And I am Kirsty Fruger. How are you today, Amy? And how are you, dear listeners? Dear listeners, all say at the same time. Ready, set, go. Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot of people with a lot of different things. But I personally <laughs> am doing all right. I feel like it's been ages since we've had time together. So, you know, everybody, if Kirst and I have a little bit of a catch up in this episode, whilst also talking about collections, you'll know why. We briefly covered some tips on dealing with collections a few episodes ago in our mini series, How to Declutter Part 2. And we felt like it was worth our time to dig deeper into this um, and explore it in more detail. So we're going to try and cover off how to know when it's time to declutter some or all of your collections. Uh, some of the reasons why you might come up against some specific challenges when decluttering or curating and what to do when your collection starts to impact your relationships. Now, <laughs> let me clarify, just in case you don't know, we are declutter coaches and professional organizers. We are not counselors. We are not psychologists. We are not psychiatrists. So if this brings up anything for you that you feel that you would need to speak to a professional about, please do that. Um, because we are just speaking about it from the perspective of a declutter coach, just like in every single one of our other episodes. Kes, <laughs> <laughs> after last episode when we were talking about my collection of Freddo Frog wrappers when I was a kid, mm -hmm. um, I thought a little bit more about collecting because there's times when you collect something because it's novel or you like it or you just kind of fall into a collection and then there's times when you actively try to acquire a full collection. Do you remember a couple mm -hmm. of years ago there were those um, Coles mini grocery items? I don't even remember what they were called, but you could get like a little year. mini pack of pasta or a mini yeah. pack of nappies or whatever. Yeah. And it was people were crazy for getting the complete set mm -hmm. rather than necessarily wanting to just get some of them because they're cute. So I think there is a difference between I need the whole set of this toy, this collectible, these baseball cards, whatever it is, and then collections that are like I just collect this because I like it and I don't care that there's another 50 different variants on the market. I'm not actually going out to make a full collection. I'm just collecting. Mm -hmm. So I think there's both. I've never had the second type where I have to have like the full set of something, although I got pretty close and I want to tell you about it. But first of all, I want to tell you, I wrote a list of all the collections I had as a kid and I want to hear if you've got any that we didn't talk about or maybe we can talk about them again. Mm -hmm. Here's my list. Freddo Frog Rappers, which we all knew. Business Cards, which I think I may have talked about either in that episode or other episodes. Yep. I collected stickers in a sticker book. So not nowadays when people collect stickers, they often keep them like in mint condition. Yeah. Whereas I very, very much would take them off and put them in a sticker book and make them all pretty. We talked about the swap cards from the eighties. I collected those. I collected erasers. So I would in those for erasers, they weren't ones that I would use. So they were novelty erasers. And I also collected babysitters club books. 
And that is a collection that I had the full set for and would get every time a new book was released, mm-hmm. I would get it so that I continued to have the full set until I think I got to about 15 and realized that Anne Martin was outpacing me and I was no longer interested in reading them. And I had to make a decision that was hard to go, I am no longer going to collect every single Babysitter's Club book, including the murder mysteries and the super specials and the little sisters. I had (laughs) all of them Mm -hmm. and I had to intentionally choose to stop. Mm -hmm. What did you collect? I think, so you've triggered some memories of mine um, because I wouldn't consider myself as a collector of things. I've never Mm. really been, um, I have to have that. Um, I must have everything of a certain category or things like that. And I remember mum and dad buying us a stamp collecting album. And so Jackie and I did collect stamps, particularly when we lived in Papua New Guinea. So Mm. we would be seeing Australian stamps and, um, you know, it was the 80s. So there was snail mail. That was your way of having pen pals. Yeah, it does not happen anymore. So I think that we definitely did collect them. I don't remember being um, like hyper-focused on it, for yeah. lack of a better way of saying it. I you don't just kind rem- of did it. Yeah. I do remember also doing stickers. I think actually now I'm thinking back to grade six, Um we lived in Papua New Guinea. Um, and so for those of you who don't know where Papua New Guinea is, it's um, an island north of Australia. It's an independent country. Um, we, it's a very big country, or not very big. It's a big island that spans both Indonesia um, and Papua New Guinea, um, but it's all one island. And it is still a third world country in reality. And we were there. My dad um, is in the army or the military for US friends of ours. And we went up there. He went up there to train the Papua New Guinean um, Defence Force. Um, So we lived there for three years. And in grade six, I did collect smash hits. the magazine. Yes. Um, and I probably, I don't remember if I collected them. It's probably, probably collecting is probably not the right term for it. I don't remember like having them, re-looking at them. I just remember buying them like uh-huh. and pulling out the centre pin yeah. So I remember having, for you Australians listening, Alex Pabs. Oh, yeah. When he was <laughs> in Home and Away. Pre-play school. Yeah, pre-play school and with a mullet. That's (laughs) Um, awesome. And, you know, like New Kids on the Block and, you know, so Smash It's this magazine would have like a centre. Kelly Slater was often in there. Yeah. The 90210 gang were often in there. Yeah. So I do remember that would be something that my parents would buy me, which I think looking back I'm like, wow, that was pretty generous of them. Yeah, it's really Probably cost them a dollar fifty or a Kina fifty, (laughs) but that's pretty cool that they did that when they had five children. And so I do remember getting that and reading it, but I don't remember collecting it. Like that's Mm. not my. It was, you know, you weren't naturally organized enough to 
set aside a place and have them in real well, estate and, order and maybe and I did but it wasn't that's not my overriding memory okay. of it whereas yeah. like you distinctly remember and I your you Fredo reminded Frog me I and... collected girlfriend magazine so yes. I would buy I worked at a news agency and I would buy girlfriend every single month and when I'd finished reading it cover to cover it would go in my wardrobe and it was in chronological order and I kept them I think probably until I was like 18 and decided I'm never going to look back on girlfriend magazines Mm. and got rid of them. So listeners, you're probably thinking to yourselves of different collections that you've had. (laughs) Um, My auntie and uncle owned a um, sports card trading shop in the probably 90s when baseball and basketball cards were massive. And so I know a lot of people do that. Or footy cards is a big thing for kids in Australia. So that's um, Aussie rules football. And so all of those things are collections. And then I've had clients that collect dolls, um, cars, Lego sets, mobile, like building train sets type thing, lots and lots of different collections that people can have. It can be books, it can be clothing items, it can be handbags. A collection is anything that you want it to be and it can bring great joy to your life and it can be a burden and it can be purposeless and it can be purposeful. Yes. All of the above apply. Yes. And it can can be trauma-related. Mm-hmm. It can be um, tied to your identity. It can be because you're neurodiverse. Do you think maybe you that's at why me? you, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at somebody <laughs> in my field of vision that mm-hmm. is neurodiverse and looking back, can you see any neurodiversity evidence in your collecting? Yeah, I don't, maybe. I can't see the clear link because I've never had any desire to collect past being a child. So Mm -hmm. from teenagehood onwards, I was really thinking hard as like, have I collected anything as an adult? And I can't think of anything. Donna Hay magazines? Yeah, like I had the subscription, but they were recipe books. So I actually used them as recipe books rather than a collection. Mm -hmm. So and then when they stopped serving me as cookbooks, I got rid of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Talking of neurodiversity, though, I was doing a lovely thing for my 16-year-old Jesse the other day. He was at school and his room, we um, got him a queen bed because our kids are so big now, they just hang out of their single beds. I didn't, Mm -hmm. like I'm one of five girls, I didn't realise that boys got this big as teenagers and Mm -hmm. actually outgrow a bed. So anyway, replaced his bed and his room just needed a bit of a rejig and I thought, you know what I'll do is always at school, I'll just do that for him and I knew he would love it. For him it's not an invasion of privacy for a lot of 16-year-old boys it would be. Um, But I was just tidying up and putting books back in order and I opened up one of the drawers that he has, like little like hobby drawers, like he's got a deck of cards in one and he's got what I was looking for is a charger because I wanted to put a charger away and I was like, I know he has somewhere that chargers go. And I opened up this little drawer and <laughs> I killed myself laughing because he had chewing gum box collection. So not the actual wrappers that the gum themselves gets wrapped in, but the cardboard box that like your 12 pack of gum comes in. Yeah. Um, and gum is one of the things he will spend his pocket money on. He's not a big spender, but he does love a bit of gum. And so they were all like, they he is a big spender. Way. He spends $3.50 on a packet a of month. gum. Yeah. <laughs> 
and they were all like lined up and I just killed myself laughing Uh, and when I told you this story because you your initial response was oh let me clear that out yeah like oh and then you were like why would he keep those and then I went oh hold on (laughs) I know why he's keeping them So, you know, like you may not even know that your kids have a little collection and it's not, you know, not harming anybody. It's not like there's dead gum in there. He's not using it to actually put his used gum in. It's just a packet. And obviously it's just he. what I think happened, and this is what happens with a lot of random collections like my Freddo Frog wrapper collection, is at some point you have, you know, more than you normally would have. You might have five or six of something. And you are mucking around with it and then you realise that it kind of is cool or there's something different about them. Like the Freddo Frog wrappers, not many people know this, but often the image on the front is different per Freddo. And so there'll be seasons where it's different. They'll have Olympic ones. They'll have sports ones. They'll have summer ones. And so once you realise, oh, oh, my gosh, there's a heap of different ones. Oh, I want to see how many there are. Or in terms of the gum the gum packets, it might be, oh, I've don't have time to throw that in the bin or I can't be bothered walking out to the kitchen so I'll just put that in that little drawer and then you've got two and you're like oh I'll put the third one in and the fourth one and then it starts to create a pattern yeah. and you've got like with like and it it starts to become a thing by accident which I think happens quite a lot is that people don't always intentionally collect things they just have a couple and go oh I guess I'm fun. collecting this now yeah Yeah. And I think that there is, I think it would be really interesting to chat to a psychologist around why children do collections. Because as you said, you haven't carried that tendency through your adulthood. And I see it in my kids, like they'll have mini collections. Like my kids aren't really um, into anything. Like, you know, there's nothing, there's no one thing that they're into. And they tend to not stick on anything for very long. So Emily really loves crystals and stones and rocks and stuff, but we're never sure how long that that <laughs> phase is going to last for. Yeah. And I think that this is um, the challenge is when, you know, maybe you have had childhood trauma um, or maybe you have had um, parents buy you things that they thought you were into or that you were into and then it has never changed your identity becomes part of that Mm. like and so then and they some people just go oh well amy likes puzzles for every birthday i'm going to buy her a puzzle Mm -hmm. without realizing that you have moved on to another hobby yeah yeah so i think that some of our childhood collections can definitely stay with us. Um, And maybe even the patterns that we created in childhood, they can stay with us. Mm. Um, It doesn't stay for all of us. And sometimes we do get into collecting as adults. Like we might go, you know, we got a Royal Dalton set for our engagement. And so then every um, birthday I want a new Royal Dalton mm-hmm. cup and saucer. Um, and that can be become your thing. That- yeah, and I think sometimes you can start off with I like matching. So you might be someone, to use your example, Kirst, who got a Royal Dalton set and then realised that they wanted to have two. So when a friend came over, 
they could both have matching. And then they got another one for their birthday because that friend realized how much they loved it. And then they wanted all of their tea sets to be Royal Dalton from that particular line of collection. So sometimes it can be like that. I, my desire is that it all matches. And so it can become a collection. And I think one of the challenges is when do you stop? When do you stop a collection? I don't have any, when do you stop? When, when do you stop? (laughs) I think there is no right or wrong answer. I think that you could definitely stop if it is impacting on your relationships or your financial, your Mm -hmm. relationship with money, like if it is impacting on your finances. Um, And I think at that point, it depends how deep you are into that. Um, You know, I think it may be dependent on how obsessive you get and how consuming it is in your mind that you Mm. must have the next Freddo Frog release you must and you'll go you know and it impacts on your relationships because you're saying to the kids we have to go to every Woolies Mm -hmm. to see if this is it and they're like but mum we're late to basketball practice I don't care if we're late to basketball practice this for lack of a better way word obsession is more important than your needs right now so and I think that that is definitely when you need to seek some professional help Mm -hmm. in this area. And that's, I think, also where you can um, move into hoarding disorder. Um, And when you notice that you can't let go of anything, like you can't imagine the the concept of letting go of anything or that there, there has to be some pattern to I'm finding it really hard to explain and Mm. because I'm not a trained psychologist so um and yeah hoarding hoarding isn't where we operate in um in our business so we haven't got a lot of experience with hoarding tendencies and or and hoarding disorder so and there's so many reasons why hoarding disorder comes on it's usually related to trauma I'm remembering one of the clients that I saw many many years ago and one of the issues that she called me in for was to help with her kids toys the kids toys was actually taking over the house like the kids Mm -hmm. never left the house with a parent and didn't come home with a new toy it was part of their process. Even if they were just going out for brunch, they'd go to the toy shop on the way home. If they were going to do the grocery shopping, they could pick a toy from either the grocery store or from the shop surrounding it. And what ended up happening is the parents became really fixated with getting the kids sets of things. Yes. And the kids were not that interested. Yes. And so I, I can't remember the names of the collectors. I can picture them but don't know the names but things like the bobblehead pop things, you know, whatever yeah. they're called. Do you know what they're called? Yeah, yeah, those pop toys. Yeah, and people know what they are. And if you don't. The kids don't may to. have had been given a couple because they were interested. In them. Maybe they collected like the Star Wars ones. But then the parents became obsessed with buying them these pop bobble heady things. Yeah. And the kids didn't care but the parents kept buying it and the parents were offended that the kids weren't appreciative and it became this really complicated relationship where 
the parents were no longer doing it for the kids. They were actually doing it for themselves, even though they didn't recognize that. And mm-hmm. I think it can be really tricky to, to, if you're a collector and you want somebody else to collect something, to know when to back off or say stop or rein that in. Like, I think it's a really tricky thing. Yeah. And I think that that's why it can be tied to identity in some ways, like you can, you know, maybe those parents were identifying with being a really generous parent. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, well, this is how I show love and generosity towards my children. And so I'm going to keep doing that. And then the flip side also is like, you know, Amy, like that example I said before about you loving puzzles, like when like when everybody is giving you puzzles mm-hmm. and you're actually not into them anymore and you need to be brave and say, hey, for my birthday this year, actually I've out, um, changed my hobby and I'm, I'm no longer into puzzles. Yeah. Can you please stop giving me puzzles? And that can be really tricky because like the example of those parents, they can be really offended. Like I could mm. be really offended with like, no, you don't get to choose your birthday presents. It's a yeah. gift from me and that's what I want to gift you. Yeah. <laughs> and, but that's also not loving of me to mm. listen to you and ignore what you're saying and do what I want to do anyway. <laughs> like that's not in that, in that isn't showing you love. Mm. <laughs> so, but also having that self-awareness, like sometimes we don't even have that self-awareness that, you know, maybe you identify as a puzzle lover and haven't connected the fact that actually you've got 30 puzzles that you actually don't have time to do and you're actually not interested in it because you have over-identified with Amy the puzzler. Correct. And I find this a lot um, when we're talking about our clients, a lot with men. And I find that it's often tied to an old identity or Mm -hmm. A, um, a a hopeful future identity. Yeah. So where I see it, clutter. aspirational clutter. I see it a lot around model cars. Um, I see it a lot around things that they will construct. So, you know, like it can be cars but planes and things where you get the kit yeah, and models. the idea is that you put yeah. it together and then you paint it and you do all the things. I've seen that a lot. Um, I've seen a lot of the cars in mint condition in boxes taking up a whole wardrobe or taking up a whole room in one house that I saw and in another situation the husband collected so many cars that they were boxed up and took up a whole room at his parents house as well as a room at his house because it had got so out of control and there was no joy being taken from that collection because he couldn't see any of them and his kids were not interested and that was heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, so what do you do when you have a collection and you kept collecting past your own enjoyment because you thought, oh, my kids will love this, or you kept collecting because you thought, well, if I have the whole set, it will be worth money. Yeah. And I think that that's why it is really interesting to explore what is driving those needs to collect. Mm-hmm. Like, is it expectation, other people's expectations of you? Is it your own expectation that, oh, jeepers, I've spent so much money, I better still love this thing, even though the joy is no longer there? Yeah. Um, is it, you know, do you need to have grace for your past self 
and grace in the moment that you're no longer that person. We're new people every day. We're growing and learning and changing every day. So how do we create space to have that grace for ourselves and extend that to other people when Mm. they have grown and changed and are no longer into whatever they used to be into? I do remember as a teenager loving dolphins. And so I had a dolphin bedspread. My mum painted uh, my cupboard doors in dolphins um you know i had ornaments of dolphins but that was cool in the 90s and trendy in the 90s and what i was into in the 90s now i still love dolphins but i don't need ornaments and bedspreads and pictures to acknowledge that i still love dolphins um so it is asking those questions like what is driving you to collect why do i need to collect these things why am I keeping it even if or like, why am I keeping it? Is mm, it because I still, mm. it still brings me joy. Um, and are you collecting it out of obligation? Um, and Kirst, remember too, that when we were younger, there wasn't the internet. And so if yeah. you love dolphins, pretty much your way of experiencing that if you didn't live beachside and have opportunity to actually encounter dolphins. Which I did not. <laughs> was books and ornaments and posters and things like that. Now you might just follow a couple of Instagram accounts on dolphins. YouTubers have a screensaver. Exactly. Like it's, it's, you can actually really like something without it having a physical imprint that takes over. And so, you know, we've got friends that are really into Pokemon and they go to Pokemon championships and competitions Whereas when we were kids, you would have just collected all the toys. And so I think that the manifestation of collections can change and evolve. Like you still like dolphins, but you don't need all the paraphernalia. Yeah. And I think that is also extending freedom to people and getting that feedback, you know, like saying, hey, do you still love dolphins as much? Is it still appropriate that I get you dolphin ornaments? Um you know, hey, kids, I know we used to be into Pokemon and going to championships. Do we still want to do that as a Mm. family? You know, oh, no 16-year-old, do you want to stay at home? Cool, awesome. Like, let's find something else that we can do as a family or not like going, hey, this is, you know, a really big cultural thing in our family, come to the Pokemon championships even if you're going to be bored. Like it's trying to figure out what freedom looks like and how to extend that and how to have grace in that freedom, mm-hmm. extending great, extending freedom to yourself and to others. When we talk about the money side of it, which we will in a second, I also want us to talk about the money side, not just when it's your collection, but when it's a hand-me-down collection. <laughs> we see this with clients all the time where a parent or a partner has had a collection, they've passed away and they feel this overwhelming burden to do the right thing with the collection. So they often don't have any problem saying, I'm not interested in this collection, but it's really, 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 really tricky to know how to get rid of it. And people will often spend hours and hours and hours and hours trying to find the perfect place or the person who will appreciate it as much as mum, dad, partner, brother did. Yeah. Kirst, hit us up with some ideas. 
I think it's really tricky for lots of people to decouple themselves from the money side of things um, and from the sentimental side of things as well. Yeah. Like I think that they can be intertwined and they can be separate issues. Um, so I think that having a realistic expectation is helpful to know, well, yeah, I paid $10,000 for this suite of furniture in 1980, which is the equivalent of a million dollars now. So, <laughs> wow, inflation is fast in your world. <laughs> yes. So, why aren't people, why don't my children appreciate that this costs like that? We sacrifice so much to get this beautiful, ugly mission brown furniture, <laughs> handcrafted, well made, but ugly, and nobody wants it in their house anymore. And that can be said for any type of collection. Like, um, I think that it is um, decoupling ourselves from the value that we personally imbue into things from the reality of what other people are willing to pay for something. Um, and that can differ depending on what the thing is. And also, and that can be really hard for collectors of things that are appreciating or that will, you know, that there's an expectation that it will appreciate. Mm -hmm. um, I've got, we've got clients who collect those type of things and that can be really tricky. They're like, but, you know, if I just held on to it for a little while longer, I could get so much more for that. And I think that that's why it's really important to come back to your vision. Like, what am I frustrated about? why have I, why am I even questioning this? Like if it's yeah. not impacting on my life at all, then does, does it need to be addressed? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. if it's not having, if it's not um, having an impact on relationships, if it's not having an impact on my finances, if it's not having an, an impact on my physical well-being within my home or the physical well-being of other people in my home, what does it matter? well, then it doesn't matter. Like mm -hmm. that's yours to decide. But if it is having an impact on any of those areas, then coming back to your vision for your home and your space, then that can help drive your next right step for you. Mm. And you, you might want to ask yourself, like, do I want to display this but feel like I need to display the whole collection? You can just pick out your favourites. So if you desperately want to keep the whole collection, you could put them in waterproof containers and have them stored somewhere out of sight where they're not impacting on anyone else and then just pick your favourites and display them. You could display them on a shelf, you know, um, what are those uh, box shadow frame, boxes. shadow boxes. Yep. You could store them in a whole lot of different ways so that you can enjoy a part of it or if you've got the tea set collection, actually use it for tea even though you're just using one of them just use it yeah. um the finances is hard I think sometimes you just have to be okay with getting rid of things and letting them go yeah I really liked your idea of like you know you can rotate the items as well if you have the time and energy to do that um you could try removing things as you said from the communal and shared area and putting it somewhere that only you can see like we've mentioned before like putting them on the back of wardrobe doors like if it's a postcard collection or something that just needs to be seen by you and your or the person who's interested in it mm -hmm. um i think it's really important to know when is the time to declutter as well and like how do you go about 
that as well. It can be tricky when you think that something's worth a lot of money. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the tricks you can do is have a look on eBay, do an advanced search, go to sold items or finished listings, and you can actually not just see what people are asking for it, you can see what Mm -hmm. people have actually got for it. Um, And that will give you a really good indication. And, you know, there's a point where you have to cut your losses, so to speak. If you think you've got a collection that's worth a heap of money, and you've realized that nobody's willing to pay that money, just donate it to an op shop and donate it as a whole collection if you like. Um, You could give it away on a Facebook group or find a a community group that you think will appreciate it. But the key is that you're probably not going to find the perfect solution. You just want to find a solution, and a solution can be I'm just donating it to a charity. That's a perfectly okay solution for you to kind of go, yep, I understand I'm not making all this money back. I'm just going to let it go. Yeah, and it's really good to set limits around the consumption as well. Like do you need to bring any more in? Like you said, you know, when you started collecting and when you were a teenager, you were like, right, actually my focus has changed. I've moved away from something. I'm going to set my limit at this and I'm not going to collect anymore even though I could. Um and giving yourself permission to let go of things that you actually no longer like or never liked in the first place because some person bought it for you <laughs> thinking that it was your thing. Thanks, mother-in-law. Um, yeah. There's so, a heap of episodes you might want to yeah. go back to. Um, just jump in the show notes. We could say them all now, but you're probably driving or doing something and you're not going to remember. So jump into the show notes and you'll be able to click on those links to heaps of other episodes that relate to today. And we've got a couple of reviews. We do. The first one is from Lego people in the US of A. And I was left in at the end of March this year. I said, I recently found this podcast and found it so helpful. Oh, thank you, Lego people. We are glad that you're finding it helpful. The next review is titled Better Late Than Never. It's a five-star review from Wombat Baby on Apple Podcasts Australia. And they write, hi, gorgeous girls. I only discovered your like-minded podcast a handful of months ago and have finally caught up today. Wowzers. <laughs> 300 odd episodes in a couple of months is next level. Yeah. Since Tooth Fairy days, I'm 57 now, I've always kept a tidy space and have been a regular declutterer, but knew I could continue learning from others' perspectives. So thank you for all that you share. It's an A plus on all levels. My daughter made me set up an Instagram page, which was scary, last year to share my passion and I've helped out a couple of friends with their their spaces, which was so much fun. I'll continue working at school on a teacher's aid, but may properly look at becoming an organiser as well. I'm in the Hills area near Kirsty, so let us know if you want some help, she says. Cheers and gratitude from Trisha. Thank you so much. Lovely to get your reviews. Today we want you to leave us a review if as a child you had a collection (laughs) that you still have in your house somewhere. If you still have a collection somewhere, in your home, we want you to leave us a review. It encourages us, but more importantly, it helps others to find our podcast, like Trisha, who's only just discovered us. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Come over to our Facebook page and share your collections as well. We'd love to see them there as well. So you can find all the links in the show notes. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. 
Thanks for joining us. If you've learnt something awesome today, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook so others can find our podcast too. Don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, artofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.